0: podcast
1: you're listening to the joe rogan experience review what a bizarre thing we've created
0: now with your host adam This oh, might either be the worst sorry. podcast or the best one Two, of all time. one Two, go one. enjoy the show
1: hey guys and welcome to another episode of the jre review joined this week by my buddy jay over in ohio what's happening jay
0: hey 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 ohio says hello
1: all right so we've got first up black keys ohio
0: and they're they're from where are they from ohio like akron ohio yeah Can akron area yep northeast ohio
1: there we go I, I this band is awesome i haven't heard the new album uh joe said he loved it i got a bit of a review from somebody today that said it wasn't as good as the some of their previous stuff but um, the, these guys will, have always been good. I I think they're a phenomenal band, an incredible sound.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously they get a lot of uh, a lot of hype and play up here in Northeast Ohio. We got the Rock Hall up here, and and that parlay's a lot of love for rock and roll in general. And yeah, they do have a, a very unique sound, like Joe talked about. Um, you know, they they. They have a sound that's all their own and they've just been kind of consistent pumping that out and it was crazy for me to think back that like when they were talking, some of that stuff goes back 20 years almost, which is just wild. And I didn't even realize that, that those guys and myself are fairly similar in age, which they just I don't know they've always come across as seemingly younger and not as round, around as long, but uh, yeah, they've just been doing it a long time. It's just time
1: flies, is really what it is. It's like I remember when so and so came out, and you're like, "Oh, dude, that that band's been around for thirty years now."
0: Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if you've experienced this because I think you're a couple years younger than me, but there reaches a point. It's like it's like a cliffhanger where, or like you just everything falls off the cliff where. There's no – everything just runs together like, oh, I'm young, I'm young, it's childhood stuff, it's this, it's that. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, all of that was a really long time ago. (laughs) And that just all kind of happened to me in the last six months.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how that goes. I love how the band was uh, named. Like I always wonder how bands come up with names, and it's often such – like you think that they sit around forever working and like just putting all this time into the name and and how the hell did they come up with such a great name and X, Y, and Z? And what was it that they had that artist friend yeah, it was, that yeah. used to call one of their houses and uh, would always just, what, talk about
0: Black Keys or something? No, it, I, it, I think it was something about uh, a dad of one of the friends who was into this really you know, like strange art and then he would say something like, oh, you're... And, and by the way, those dudes have great voices and personalities for radio and podcasting, don't they? But he would say, yeah, oh, you're a this, you're a black key. And that's how they got the name, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, look, Pat definitely does. Um, the, the other guy doesn't say much at all. No. He, he probably said, like, I don't know, five sentences the whole podcast. But I feel like Pat could just go on forever. Like, he's such a fascinating person to listen to and so interesting. It's like, Rogan didn't even say a lot. I noticed this the last time the keys were on. I just feel like he needs his own radio show, just promoting other bands that are like like his kind of music but up and coming. It would be like a perfect,
0: like, serious show or XM or whatever those ones are. Yeah, he was great, man. I think he just brought his buddy along to uh, smoke Joe's dope, you know? yeah Yeah. (laughs) because he was like "Ah." he's like me bro you know like i don't handle my weed very well and so so pat brought his his bandmate along to like hey you know joe's gonna throw some weed at us so can you come along and smoke this for me yeah
1: and he and he just gets so high that he doesn't say anything
0: the whole time (laughs) yeah that'd be me for sure space yeah okay podcast is over oh wow damn that was quick
1: (laughs) i love that story uh where pat was talking about making all those prank calls I mean, so perfect and so hilarious. I don't know if you ever had a time in your life where you you did that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I I had a time in high school where, for like a year, for whatever reason, because me and my buddies all worked at MCI WorldCom, right? So it was back in the day when you'd sell long distance phone services for homes. Because, you know, I had like in state, out of state, you pay all those different fees. It was a whole thing. So when people had like landlines. Well, because we did that job all the time, we were so comfortable on the phone that we used to love calling people and messing with them. It was brilliant.
0: It's a bit cruel, but it's funny. Well, I did a lot of that, like in sixth grade, and it was—it's funny to listen to you. And I'm listening to him talk about it, think you know. I, hopefully, as a good umbrella insurance policy, because people are so crazy these days. You know, I'm like, I don't know if you how much you know, unless you're those four idiots on TV, how much prank calling you should be doing. Uh, 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 good for him i mean i just remember doing stuff like calling the bowling alley and being like hey you guys got 15 pound balls and they oh yeah then how do you walk Ah," and then you hang up and we'd all laugh you know (laughs) stupid shit like that but that was was that was my extent of prank calling but it was always involving (laughs) something like that i also love the um the santa claus story uh when he were tripping on mushrooms or something Remember or LSD? I forget it was one of the stories, it was early on in the cast. Uh, but it reminded me, I, I feel like, and I've run into a bunch of dudes who have Santa Claus stories when they have psychedelic experiences. I, I, it's like a running theme, they somehow always find their way into the trip. And I remember, uh, when we were in college, uh, a couple buddies of mine, um, decided oh you yeah, know everybody's going to get together there were a few veterans of of mushrooms and a few fairly newbies and then my one buddy was dating this girl who was like the typical oh you know never done much of anything but oh I'm I'm down for it now that I'm in college so we we made this plan to all go over to her place and you know everybody's going to eat these mushrooms and you know we're just going to hang out well sure enough we're half hour into it and she's freaking out crying making a mess so the three of us end up saying to my buddy hey man we're out of here. We're leaving. You see You deal with it. That that was your, your fault. We walk outside and I kid you not, bro. I walk outside and there's a guy. Well, what I thought was Santa Claus throwing a football with a guy in a jail outfit. And all of a sudden Santa Claus looks at us and he says, you pussies want to play football. And of course, when you're like, (laughs) just like mid trip, bro, like just hitting it. I mean, we all freaked out, like "Holy fuck!" Get in the car, Jay. You're driving. Boom, off we go. I swear to God, whoop. we we took a back road, uh, in the just avoid everyone as as far as we could get to our friend's house, who was like a safe space to finish this trip out for the rest of the night and not see anyone. And the speedometer breaks on the car, and goes from we were probably doing 30 to all the way maximum Ford Festiva 90. And it's like making this rattling noise and I'm driving and I freak the fuck out, dude. And I'm like, oh, we all start yelling and screaming and I come to a complete stop and it might have been 10 seconds or 20 minutes. That we stood there yelling, <laughs> thinking we were still going 90 miles an hour because the speedometer was broken. And we all kind of looked and noticed at the same time that we weren't moving out the windows. And might, we might have been there 20 minutes screaming, thinking that we were going 90 miles an hour. So avoid it's those Santa Claus. It's just a prime
1: example of the weird shit that happens when you do any type of psychedelics.
0: No, was it Halloween? Or it was, was it Christmas. It was fucking Halloween, and there was one guy dressed as a Santa Claus, and the other one as a jailbird. And that's when we, like, there was this moment when Santa Claus turned to us and said, "You fucking pussies want to play football?" Where, like, not and and none of the three of us were sure if this was real or not. So we all had to like <laughs> kind of look at each other and then realize, like, okay, we're all three seeing this, so it has to be real, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That Just double ter- Who the hell dresses as Santa Claus for Halloween? That's such a dumb Halloween costume. Well, bless them. What was some of the shit they were talking about, about how Akron, like they kind of grew up when the like industries and stuff had left? Or was it leaving when they were growing up? Like what was the deal with that? Is that like the fall of Detroit, that kind
0: of thing? Very, very similar. You know, Akron was like the rubber capital of, of- – the U S of the world in a lot of ways. And, um, <clears throat> you know, went through a big transition here, a lot of money left, a lot of big money left. There's still some old money buried here, but yeah, it's a lot like Detroit, uh, with the rubber industry, leaving the Akron area. Uh, you know, they have fire, they mentioned Firestone high school, Firestone country club, which is one of the you know most well-known golf country clubs in the country. Cause there was a lot of money there. There was some tournaments that were played there. So yeah, th- I mean, it was a very wealthy area, um for that period of time and uh yeah it was just an, an exodus of a lot of car money same thing that happened in detroit so yeah um, and it
1: had just struggled for like decades after that with like nothing going on over there or what
0: yeah i mean akron's a very interesting place it's it's got you know you'll have a pocket of you know you go through a neighborhood with multi-million dollar homes and then you can throw a stone you know, block over and it's, you know, super ghetto, rough area, a lot of crime. So yeah, that's, Mm. and that's kind of what they talked about, you know, crazy things happening at their schools and, and places like that. But yeah, I mean, obviously LeBron James being from Akron and throwing a lot of money back into the community there and standards that, that there's been a lot of change in Akron over the last, you know, 15, 20 years to bring it back to, some relevancy and uh, yeah, it's an interesting town, no doubt. But uh, you know, a lot of times it's just looked at as like a little brother of Cleveland because it's not far away. And sometimes they take exception with that, and and sometimes uh, they like being part of that. So yeah, we—I mean, I'm a Cleveland guy, so I consider Akron to be part of us. But I know sometimes they don't like that. But um...
1: yeah, it's an interesting thing that happened. Like I obviously, you know, didn't move to the states until like the 97 right so even my understanding in history of like what happened over previous decades is like i didn't really know what like was going on in detroit and how you know the uh, car industry kind of left there and so was that mostly just started to be um kind of outsourced abroad and that's why those industries were falling apart they were like making cars
0: in other places for cheaper i mean i think it was a transition of a lot of things over time you know you had just steel industry moving overseas you had obviously nafta changing a lot of the way things were produced and a lot of production moved to mexico um you had other car manufacturers from other countries moving into the market all that happened over you know a 30-year period and oh, so it was
1: a combo of, combo of a lot because of one th- things. One thing I was thinking is when they talked about that blue gene factory that Pat brought up, or one of them did, right, about the pollution. Yeah. And then they showed the picture. I don't know if you watched the, the video stream of this, but it showed like they Googled the picture of somewhere in China and there was just all this blue dye in the water, which looks awful and I'm sure isn't good for you. But then I was thinking, oh, with all these industries that left in the past, sure, well, it sucked for the economy. Like, that's no good. But, you know, I'm sure these factories were all dumping a bunch of pollution everywhere, too. Now, I'm not saying, oh, it's a good thing that it went abroad and now they have the pollution. Like, you don't want that anywhere. But I guess in some sense, it's like those towns would have just got super polluted from all this industry, right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that. The U.S. environment has been able to clean up so extensively over the last 30 or 40 years is due to a lot of that stuff being outsourced. You know, people love the not-in-my-backyard mentality, right? And, yeah, I mean, I haven't been to China per se, but I've been to Vietnam, Cambodia. They've moved a lot of production uh, to Vietnam of, of textiles and whatnot, and you, I've driven around, and it's crazy. The factories, the way that they produce that stuff, they're like they're like cities, bro. They're cities of factories with people coming in by the busload, I mean hundreds of buses bussing in these young workers, and yeah, it's crazy. And, and certainly the pollution all gets pushed over there, and it's like you know people, are, oh China's so terrible, look how polluted everything is. Well, yeah, that's because everything is made there that used to be made here. It makes a big difference, you know, in, in where all that pollution is ending up. So, yeah, not in my backyard works, and sometimes it doesn't, uh, you know. But uh, I mean, well, the it most, doesn't in
1: the long run.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know,
1: I mean, it's still pollution, right? I mean, when Pat brought up that idea of the human trafficking thing, which, you know, we all know this happens. We People have heard stories about people being shipped in, in those shipping containers. And I didn't think for a second about how COVID shut those boats down and they just had to be st- stuck on there. I mean, imagine how many people that probably died in those shipping containers. Yeah they've got just enough food to get over here and then it's like bang, they just stop the boats yep i mean that is horrific
0: yeah i mean hey but at least we still produce some things here like you know music videos really 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 big cock Really, really, just, that's got it. Re- dude i need that on vhs you know for my vhs collection bro <laughs> he was saying i guess somebody sent me that on vhs i said i gotta get that song for sure and you know, even going into all that, I loved it when they went into that whole music bit. Uh, he said something like, "Music is the thing most like a drug of all the entertainments, you know, and it's so true, dude. I mean, just having the keys on there and then talking about that whole segment at the beginning, I mean, music is just, you know, whether it's video games or or movies or television or whatever, but man, there's just the euphoria that sets off inside of you in music. Is just a whole nother level, isn't it? It just
1: inspires like an emotional response like nothing else. It really just takes you kind of into a trance. I mean, you go to a great concert and it's like everyone is
0: just in a head-nodding trance. Like, really? Yeah. And isn't it amazing? Like, you think, oh, yeah, let me dive into this movie or whatever. But, dude, you can switch your day up with an album or a song in two minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a good way to get out of a funk. If you're like
1: having a shitty day and you put on some good music, it really does work. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. What what else did they around that they the beginning of that There were some really interesting points from this one that were all in like little tidbits. There was like that whole thing about being on those big yachts down in St. Martin or wherever it was. Um, oh, with the billionaires! Yeah, with all the billionaire club, and you know that reminds me of something that we, t- you and I, have talked about before. Me- remember when, uh, when that, uh, when I came out to sh- film Shark Tank, and that dude sucker punched me because he was mad that I had a good joke or something. Remember he was like steaming oh, yeah. all night. Yeah, yeah, we should Yeah, he just punches you in yeah, the yeah out, of, out of nowhere because I had a good like little one liner. He's like, dude, stop taking any attention away from me that I'm not creating, and. Uh, And then, but the the point of that was they were talking about, oh, you know, this whole island full of celebrities and didn't you feel out of place and la-di-da-di-da. And it's like, I've always said this, man, losers should not hang out with winners, you know, because it works two ways. One, the majority of people for the most part are kind of like have a loser mentality, right? Which is, and I've always said this, is like you have... When I see somebody doing something badass or a good-looking guy or good-looking whatever, like I just say, hey, man, good for you. I want us all to, you know, rising tides, right? I just want us all to be amazing and be awesome. And the majority of people are just haters, bro. I mean, that's certainly been proved obvious with the age of the Internet. It's like, it gives me an example. I saw this one video somebody sent me of this, like, badass, big, ripped, sexy looking dude on a motorcycle doing like a wheelie behind all these trucks down the road forever for like two minutes and I'm like that's fucking sick that guy is a fucking animal I love you and I look at all the comments and like oh what an idiot what a dope I I hope he wrecks and dies and all that I'm like what the fuck kind of mentalities but that that's pervasive in everything isn't it like and that's why I say winners and losers don't mix well because you know You have very few people that want to lift everyone up, see everyone succeed and don't need to bring others down to bring themselves up. It also works on that island mentality when you're like, you know, even though I was like at best ever like a a C or D list actor when I was living in L.A., you get a taste of it where when you've done anything of any significance, whether that's probably athletics, uh, acting, music, whatever. The average person treats you very strangely when you hang out with them. That's why celebrities date other celebrities and marry other celebrities because they understand that mentality of of how weird it is that other people treat them and look at them and handle them when they're around. So they end up all just hanging out together so they don't get that weird energy all the time from other people, you know, where you can't just hang out and have a conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, because... (laughs) I guess there is, like, they say that with comedians, like when comedians date, and you know, it's kind of recommended that you don't date another comedian because either your career is going to get better or theirs is. And there's like this resentment factor, which is probably the initial feeling that people get when they become haters because they're looking at other people and they're like, how dare you have this thing that I want? Well, when a couple of comedians date, it's not necessarily that one of them is a bad person and can't encourage the other. It's just that they both want it so bad that it it's hard to not build some sort of resentment up. And it, that, that's just something you've got to be mindful of. And it, what's strange about it to me is I love to see my friends do well, right? Always. And why would you not want that? You know, Even people that are kind of acquaintances because if the people around you are all doing well, you can learn from them and everybody wants to do well. You can just see what they're doing, how hard they're working. Like sure, some of it could be luck, but a lot of times it's just a ton of hard work, good positioning, good networking, all the rest of it. And if you just watch it and then celebrate it with them, it's a win-win. I mean you get nothing out of sitting there going, oh, fuck that guy for getting all that. Makes no sense.
0: Yeah, but I think there's just a ton of that. I mean, and it and, and it goes in every type of relationship. I mean, I think that's why, I mean, people are like, oh, you know, why do why do I always see all these hot girls with these, you know, ugly dudes or douchey dudes or whatever, whether, it probably doesn't have that much. Rich. Right, I, I knew you were gonna say that, but it's not always that. It's always like, they don't, those, those kind of women, for the most part, especially like, you know, a lot of women do struggle with self-confidence. And so- they don't want to have somebody around that takes attention away from them or, you know, challenges their spotlight when they walk into a room. That's that's another thing. So it, it's in that kind of mentality because human beings are flawed and we have, you know, we share a lot of the same inherent weaknesses. Um, you know, it takes a long time to become comfortable enough in your own skin where where you break free of that mentality, which is, you know, the modern term is like the hater culture, or the trolling or whatever you know but that stuff yeah. is pervasive kind of all over you know
1: and- well look some trolling is funny so i don't want all that to stop i think some trolling is pretty good if it's clever most of it's but lame being a hater is ju- it's just useless being a hater is useless for sure if you find yourself doing that you need to you need to readjust it's a good fucking thing to do I- all right let's jump over to uh, gad sad This podcast is brought to you by Acre Gold. Here's something important. So, you know all the chaos happening in the Ukraine, which basically amounts to the beginning of World War III. Well, during these trying times when inflation is very real, one great place to invest your money is gold, specifically Acre Gold, because they offer an affordable monthly subscription to gold bars. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as $50 a month. You pay each month, and once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. And just recently, Aka has introduced a new $250 a month subscription to a 10 gram gold bar. Aka lets you invest in physical gold without coming out of your pocket all at once. Visit getacagold.com slash J-R-E-R, and start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you use this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar to qualify for the giveaway. Tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at Acre underscore gold. Again, that's getAkergold.com slash J-R-E-R. Um, this guy's great. I love it when he's on. He's got a great voice, super articulate, obviously a super smart guy. What are your thoughts on
0: on Mr. Sad? professor I mean, sad sad. certainly wasn't sad listening to him that's a terrible dad joke sorry uh um, <laughs> but Bad. that guy was uh one of those guys that you listen to and you're like i could feel myself becoming ever so slightly smarter just listening to you thank you so much for that i appreciate <laughs> Yeah, i appreciate that yeah. you know and you know my you know my dad very well and you know he was a psychologist and so there was a lot of and i i said oh you got to listen to this guy dad he's a evolutionary psychologist and my dad oh i gave it a little laugh like i don't even know uh, how you label yourself that or what that exactly means but whatever it was um the guy was brilliant uh i mean obviously you know they, they they hit some topics at the beginning uh before they got into his deep intellect uh that were right up my alley as far as uh you know covid and exercise and weight loss and stuff like that but uh,
1: i mean it's awesome for him to have lost that weight for sure and in hearing those stories over and over again i mean he was 250 now he's at like 170 and just him being able to say like all the things that are better like he you can say a lot about him and even if you disagree with him fine but he definitely tells the truth as far as he knows it to be So he's not going to sit there and just say, oh, I have all this extra energy. I feel great. I move better. My body doesn't hurt. I don't have that inflammation. And just so much about my life is better. Sex, life, everything. It's like, yeah, all of that shit is true. And I think it is important. It's like not to harp on all like the fat shaming thing or body positivity or whatever those things are. It's it's just important to remind people of the benefits of putting in that work to do it. It's all good. You don't have to just accept what you have and be in this like sluggish, painful state that's bad for your health. I mean, I think being really overweight is probably worse for your health than a, a huge amount of things that we know are clearly bad for you. Drinking way too much or smoking or most you know drug abuse it's like it's hard on your system i mean you're more likely to die of literally everything by quite a high percentage so to kind of encourage people to be like no just be who you are and accept it and i don't know
0: about that it's it's it sounds like a bad habit overall well i i mean they touched on a lot of the stuff that we've talked about before and they did talk about you know um fat shaming and and you know having a, a positive uh what is it b- body I don't even like to overly think about these some of these nonsensical progressive ideas. Oh, body positivity, or whatever, just which is just really an excuse to you know be fat, eat whatever you want, not exercise, and then you know whatever. And it's not just about looks. People think, oh, it's about you know, oh, it's something about looks. No, it's not just about looks. It's about you know overall health, and that's what they touched on as the main point. I think it was interesting. He said at the beginning. Uh, it's very hard and Joe said this I think hard to exercise to weight loss it is you you have to get to a point especially once you get over the age of say 30 or 35 where the majority of the work comes in what you're putting in your vessel right it's not just about how much exercise you're putting in. it's about what's what you're putting in what bad things you're not putting in what good things you are um, and, and two, I've always said this: you get better the same way you got sick, which is slowly over time. People want immediate results, of course. That's why they love westernized medicine and pharmaceuticals and drugs and surgeries and everything else. But I mean, you you make yourself sick over a long period of time with your diet and your lack of exercise and your bad thought process and everything else. It takes years of that um, to undo. I know. I mean, I, you remember I had some, you know, serious. Digestive health issues in my mid twenties, and I couldn't figure them out, and I couldn't get quick results. But I got little by little results, making changes and undo that, undid all that, you know, sickness that I created over time. And it takes two, three, four years sometimes. So that was that was good stuff. Um, And then, and then they they, go
1: ahead. Just the idea of fast results, it's not sustainable anyway. You have to look at it like. A life journey of things, you know? It's like if you want to get better at doing anything, it takes a lot of practice and a long time and dedication, you know? You can't go to a how to play the piano cramming weekend seminar and then expect to play. It just doesn't work like that. And it's the same with changing your physical body. Like, it, you should allow it to take a long time because what you want is it to stay in that shape, that you ultimately get to always it's like you can't just like lose 50 pounds and then go back to eating cake it's just not going to work that way
0: yeah the changes have to be you know it's not dieting it's life changes you know lifestyle changes and whatnot um and relating it to covid i think that's how they got onto the topic or went right into the topic is like you know all this push for getting you know double triple quadruple vax. get your shots get your this get your that when you know, there was no talk of the majority of these people that are dying or extremely sick are mostly overweight or have some secondary health condition. that's probably preventable by diet and lifestyle changes, you know. But all we're worried about is no jabbing, 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 jabbing,
1: jabbing. Yeah, because it's cruel and it's bullying to say that you have to put any effort into this whatsoever, which is very strange. Very strange. But... That's how that goes. Could you believe the taxes he had to pay on his book? What did he say? It was like 55% up in Canada. They took like half the money, more than half the money. Well, for... I,
0: I, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think there's parts of the, the world where the taxes in Europe and other places are. And I mean, we do it here, right? You get taxed on the money you make. You get taxed on the money that you spend. You get taxed on the place where you live. You get taxed on when you drive. You get taxed on when you die. You get, I mean, it's by the time you add it all up, it's probably 60% over a lifetime. I mean, money comes in, money goes out. Either way, it's going in, out, saved, dead, passed on. It's all getting taxed, man. Yeah, of course.
1: I mean, look, I know there's taxes and I know they should exist, but just hearing that like it was over 50%. Of what he was able to bring in from it, I'm like, oh, that
0: is, that's crazy up there. Yeah, well, he's and a big they fan of Trudeau. Also said that. Do what? He was a big fan of Trudeau, the guy up there with the. Oh, sure,
1: yeah. <laughs> is anyone? <laughs> yeah, that guy seems like a nut. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The recent
1: stuff he's been saying is just. I don't follow him too closely, but you get those snippets and sound bites and it's he he just honestly does seem like a wacko yeah but that that's just me yep
0: yep then they went into what was it they had some very interesting discussions on um like you know media controlling things and and you know, they talked on a bunch of different um they talked on a bunch of different stuff including um including like uh Free society and uh, how they looked at other things, as far as um, like that. I think one thing they mentioned was the Biden laptop, and how, if you remember when that happened, uh, you know, every news station just wouldn't touch it, pushed it away. Uh, now, a lot of that has been has quietly been proven to be more true, whatever. Um, and so, and they talk about, uh, you know, all these, oh, Twitter's going to affect the election this way and affect this election that way. And I mean that not covering that story probably had a bigger uh, bearing on that election than anything from that election period, um, and and I mean to think the pot me kettle like the think that they're not doing it has always been so funny to me because it was so obviously done in the last election process, um, for sure. You mean like the cover up? Yeah, just not covering it. It's not even the cover up. It's just not covering it. You know, so of course that influenced it, and and I liked what he said about. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the the terms that he used. Obviously, I don't have the uh, expertise that he does on some of these knowledgeable terms and stuff. But how you how you kind of make exceptions for for not being completely ethical or truthful in certain times by looking at it from the greater good. Um, right. Remember when he was talking about that. Well, that's
1: that's such a slippery slope, right? It's almost like they're saying, "We know what's best for you, so this is only the information you need." Instead of saying, "Here's all the information, you figure out what is right," which is what news should be. They should give us all the information and let us decide as people. Like if they're just gonna, if they have that mentality, then you know why are they even letting us vote? They should just
0: all work together to just take over the whole thing yeah con- consequential and uh that's what he was talking about in uh, mm. yeah and not giving up one ounce of truth for the betterment of society and i think that's where we're stuck in right now right like i can see the reason why people want to make some of these changes that to me are not um completely truthful or completely in line with personal freedoms you know, for me, the personal freedom is a big, much bigger thing than anything else. And, and you, so you take away a little better. You give a little way of that for the greater good. And, you know, to me, like you said, that's a slippery slope. Once you start down that road, where does that stop? And who gets to decide where and when that stops?
1: You know, that's the big issue, right? Who gets to decide and at what point? It's like it's easy to agree with it if the narrative is kind of on your side yeah uh which in a lot of ways for like the far left it is so they don't they think that it's all good they're like well this is the information we want to hear so we support it but if that ever switched and now it was them being silenced or their information not getting out they would hate it so it, you can't just play that game one way i mean joe said something really interesting so he anytime he has somebody on the right on, he gets a ton of pushback from the left, right? A ton, all the time. Just emails about how dare you give him a platform and blah, blah, blah. And he said when it's the other way around and he has a liberal person on or maybe even quite a like far left person, he hears nothing from the Republican end. And that's interesting. I think that speaks volumes to like the different sides. It's almost something I wouldn't expect as well.
0: Yeah. For sure. That I mean, uh, the 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 thing that's so interesting is from both sides the hypocrisy that comes out. We talked about this last time we were doing this together. Just, I mean, it happens within the same day now, where it's there's a, a, a parallel situation that you can see, and it's just they 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 can't see the hypocrisy that's going on back and forth, and something that they're you know, saying or, or doing or, or an action from either side.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he, didn't he say that there was some sort of, like, happiness score that was taken? And conservatives generally score higher on it than liberals. And he, and he stated the reason being is because even though both sides think that changes need to take place, conservatives in these studies seem to be more accepting of how things are, and therefore hopeful, whereas the more liberal people just think everything's a mess and it needs to change and the conservatives will ruin everything.
0: Well, I've said this for years. You've heard me say this. 25 years ago, I was one of the more liberal-minded people that I knew. 25, oh, for sure. 25 You're a huge years, hippie. Yeah. 25 years later... Of the people, that same group of types of people that I hang out with, I now come across as one of the more conservative-minded people that I know. Okay, which is, and nothing has changed except the world around me, the baseline, and it goes back to the definition. And I, I that does remind me, Joe talked about, and this is true. If if you if you spend a couple hours talking to me, be like, oh, that guy, and you know me, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm probably more of the the next guy we'll talk about. I like, no, I wouldn't say anarchist, but certainly libertarian mindset. Um, you know, definitely a centrist in a lot of things. But yeah, if you if you took a lot of the individual uh, bullet point topics, platform topics, uh, I, I usually find myself falling with with different caveats of, of restrictions and reasons why falling to the left. But if you spend a lot of time talking to me like, oh, this guy's a pretty conservative minded guy, whatever. La-di-da-da. And that's just because the world has gone so crazy these last four or five years. And that center point and i think it goes back to the to the definition like we talked about you have the basic words take their the, the 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 simplistic meaning of those words conserve he talked about conservative is to conserve what you have now it's easier to be more happy when you're conserving this is this is where happiness is for me it's right here well liberal needs to be something more liberal than what came before it if not it no longer eventually defines as liberal right i mean if if i'm just as liberal as my parents were in the 60s now i haven't gotten any more liberal right by definition if i'm conservative
1: i I think it's more the word progressive
0: progressive is a good way to put it but
1: progressive is is it has to progress so once you move the line to what liberal is to be more progressive than that you have to move it so it's almost like that's That's like a dangerous wood in itself.
0: At at what point does it become this utopian society that everyone's looking for? Or can it ever achieve that based on the definition or based on the feelings that are created? Like, I want to be more liberal, more progressive than those that came before me. To what extent and on what topics and what does that mean? So, yes, the, the, the happiness score, the sadness score or whatever that was, it seems common sense wise, it would be easier to say, yeah, it would be easier for people to be happy with the status quo if they're just living and breathing in that space, you know, and not feeling that there needs to be a change. Now, of course, you can look at that from two places, uh, like an ivory tower princess type of mentality or what people like to refer as, oh, yeah, white people problems or white people privilege. Oh, well, you haven't had to deal with X, Y, and Z problems over the last century or something like that. So yeah, it is easier to look for it. And there are people that, you know, come from a different perspective that might not see the world in such a rosy light over decades. I get that. And that's not the only part uh, that's, that's, that's missing there, but that's certainly a big part of it. And why there's always that back and forth conundrum of, of the dynamic between those two ideologies.
1: Yeah. It's just an interesting stat if it's true. And I assume it is. I doubt that he would quote something that, you know, wasn't properly studied and, and, you know, it's, I mean, we're, we're all here to hopefully try and enjoy the passage of time, right? So it's not about just being happy and ignorant. Maybe that's part of it. But to always focus on problems and then therefore get yourself into a negative state, that's it's not very ideal for your life. Like, just period. For sure. For sure. I wanna to touch on one last thing that they kinda of ended with. It was I don't know if you heard about the King Velasquez case. So he's a UFC fighter, heavyweight, legend back in the day. I mean, he beat Brock Lesnar. I mean, he was just he was a he's a badass. And then they talked about the case that he's facing where uh he, he would take his kid to this childcare place and um Allegedly, this guy molested his kid like over a 100 times, and he chased him down in a car, ended up shooting at the car, shot the guy's dad, and now he's in jail with no bail. And I don't know if the other guy – the other guy was arrested, but I don't know how long he's having to serve for. And I mean what a brutal situation all around. I mean I don't think that there's a parent out there that – not to say they would all do it, but they would all think it, you know? And I and I think a lot of them would wish that they were brave enough to go and do that. But, but at the end of the day, I just feel like, well, okay, what he did is illegal. Sh- chasing someone down and shooting them, that is an illegal act, right? The reason he did it for, I think a lot of people can understand and be like, well, yeah, fuck yeah, right on you. But what is then the point of locking the guy up? Because... The idea is you lock him up because you don't want him committing that same crime again. But there's, there was a very specific reason why he did it. It's not like he's just going to go around shooting people all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, um, it's obviously a very tough topic. I, I do know the guy you're referring to. I think I might have watched a fight with you at some point in time over the years. Uh, did see a little bit about the case. I mean... It's like that old Chris Rock or Eddie Murphy bit, I forget who it was about uh about OJ. <laughs> I'm not saying it deserved to die, but I understand, right? Um, <laughs> because yeah, I mean who who there was a there was a priest here local in our town, uh, at a church who um got found guilty recently of molesting a bunch of kids and really being I mean just evil about it, absolutely evil about it and the way that he handled it. Uh, Using confessions and talks with the kids to um, manipulate them online and say, oh, I know you did this, and if you don't send me these nudies, I'm going to tell your parents, like stuff that the kids, you know, like, oh, you know, I I spilled the cereal on the carpet rug or whatever, you know. Oh, I heard, uh, if you don't send me, and just manipulating their trust that they put in him and posing as someone else. Well, he hung himself in prison, after six months or something, and I'm sure you know not many people feel bad for that situation or would have felt bad had one of the parents come after the guy, you know. Um, but that's the world that we live in, and certainly you said you don't want to have vigilante justice, but the majority of people understand vigilante justice and can empathize with it, you know. So it's it's just one of those cases where it's like, man, you know, does he get a pardon from somebody? Does he? get a temporary insanity defense because I'm sure we could all imagine what it would be like to to be in that position and deal with that i I don't know what the answer is that's always a tough one um and it's something that I don't think will ever be solved when you talk about you know child molestation and the, that sickness that that is um it's I don't know, it's the same thing like people agree with certain things but then the the, the world makes it very difficult I mean even the, the the things that have been going on in the last week or two about all the abortion things with the supreme court and the leak and the feelings about that and whatever else i mean the majority of people i think it's like 70% agree with at least keeping roe versus wade as it is right but you know there's a powerful argument to be made even in the non-majority for why things look that way it's just these are a couple topics of of things that happen in this country that are just i don't know if they could ever be solved honestly um you know how to deal with child molesters and vigilante justice relating to people that abuse your children. How to deal with abortion and you know the rights of unborn and but like these are questions that I don't think if there were ever topics I think we can all eventually get along. I do. I think we can all eventually be like you know what I don't give a fuck what color everybody is. I don't care who you like the fuck. I don't care who you want to marry. I think eventually we can solve that. It might take a few more generations of blending things together but those couple questions i think will be very hard to ever solve in this country because those problems are i don't see a solution and usually i can see a solution even if they'll take 100 years
1: Mm. well i mean poor guy my heart goes out to him because that's just it's so brutal and for him to be then taken away from his child like it's bad enough what the child went through but now doesn't have a father I feel like if this had happened in Texas, he would have got a medal for it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He might be governor by now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he would have been elected, for sure. (laughs) All right, let's jump over to Hotep, Jesus. This podcast is brought to you by Buck Mason. Get everything from shirts, sweaters, jeans, the stuff you wear all the time. Well, I was getting dressed this morning and realized all my go-tos are from Buck Mason because they send me a lot of cool stuff buck mason clothes are second to none they are timeless and never go out of style everything i own fits great right out of the box and a lot of this stuff is my favorite clothes buck mason makes all the essentials jeans shirts jackets all my go-to's and so much i love I love like, the tailored look, the fact that it fits me good right out of the box, the curved hem tee is fantastic, GQ loves it as much as I do, calling it the best t-shirt in the game, which I agree with. Once you try Buck Mason, they become your go-tos as well. Head over to buckmason.com slash j-r-e-r and get a free t-shirt with your first order. That's b-u-c-k-m-a-s-o-n dot com slash j-r-e-r. Get your free T-shirt, fellas, and let's get into this. I I've heard Hotep before, not too much, um, and on Rogan mostly, and then some sound bites. I really like the way that he speaks. He he's like very well thought out with his ideas, even if he is picking a bit of a maybe an anarchist line, or you know, in England we call it being cheeky. Like I don't know if he truly agrees with some of the things that he's saying, but he likes the he likes to stir the pot a little bit, which which is fun. I mean, remember he's an entertainer, so it makes sense. But um, yeah, I, li- I do like his style. That's for sure. I'm not saying I agree with all the things that he says, but I I like his
0: style. Yeah, I mean, I th- I I didn't know much about him, uh, and certainly. Um... You know, he, 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 he sometimes he's marketing himself or marketing an idea or just marketing some crazy stuff to say, which, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I'll do the same. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, like Nucky Thompson said, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, kid. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think, he, yeah, he's definitely mm-hmm. selling himself sometimes. Um, and I'm not opposed to that. But, yeah, I mean, he has some ideas you could tell. You know, what's so fascinating about some of the people that, that come on the show you listen to three or four things in a week and you get such varying people, but, you know, and different kinds of intelligence or smarts, you know, just the three guys that we're talking about today. Um, you know, you have, uh, international, uh, multicultural, um, professor, right. Uh, school educated, you know, you have this other guy who's very entertaining. He obviously has a lot of Um, you know street smarts and common sense and then he can also be a little uh, crazy with his uh, anarchist ideas or other things and then you have kind of the Black Keys Northeast Ohio guys who which obviously I can very much relate to who are just you know blue collar town very much rooted in common sense and some street smarts and you can just see the contrast between all these guys but yeah Hotep certainly man like some really cool ideas I love to see guys that come up from a different path and Oh, for sure. That's why these conversations
1: are so important. And this is why Rogan's the top show in ninety-one countries and by far the biggest podcast that's ever existed. And probably will be for a long time. I mean, you know, even when you get these articles every now and again where they're like, Rogan's been kicked off the top spot of Spotify podcasts, and it's it, it's kind of a bullshit little Article that people pull on because of the way the algorithms work. It's not even like a total downloads thing. It's like a ratio of growth, like how quick the podcast grew. It's a brand new one, so the numbers kind of uh, skewed a little bit and spiked. And but nobody's touching him. Nobody's close to his numbers
0: at all, and it's because of these reasons. Well, those it's just those guys were talking about the fact that you know what's so beautiful about he was like Joe's winning Joe's got all these viewers Joe's got all these people is that this so-called silent majority or whatever I don't yeah you know, a lot of people like to label the silent majority as like these far leaning right people who weren't getting their voice heard I think the silent majority is the people like Joe and Hotep and people getting on there just talking common sense and realness right and and being in the middle somewhere not being on a, they talked about all this stuff not agreeing with the group think of every 20 bullet points on your platform and having you know six that fall on this side and ten that fall on that side and just being real and and that's what I think scares probably both sides of Joe's popularity is that he just goes on there and he's just a dude, a real dude, you know there's some caring, there's some lion heart, there's some, you know, there's a little bit of everything that we need in this world to to kind of survive and and thrive and i think that scares a lot of people
1: well that's why that argument that joe sold out for 100 million and that's why he went to spotify is a bullshit argument because really what was happening is and joe and jamie would talk about the demonetization of youtube a lot because it in a way became like half their money right right because their audience on YouTube was almost as big as it was in the downloading space. So he has ads on his podcast, but then he gets revenue from YouTube. But then they were demonetizing so many of his podcasts. He's just like, well, wait a minute. You're either trying to train me to speak different, which changes my show, or like these are like uh, relevant points that you decide. But they never, they didn't, they weren't even giving him proper feedback on it. And he's like one of the biggest things on YouTube, especially in the podcasting space. So it was a no-brainer for him to go, well, I'm going to go to a platform exclusively that will not ever censor the way that my show is done. And then that wasn't even enough. So then what? Neil Young had to come after him and some other people. And they had to put pressure on Spotify by, you know, a hundred doctors writing this letter. And it's just like, why did they get to make the rules of, you know, what is spoken about? I'm just so happy that that kind of completely collapsed. And if anything, Joe's numbers went up. I mean, he said during that time he gained 700,000 Twitter followers in two weeks. That's fucking huge. But people know what's going on on Rogan you know? I mean, he's done so many episodes and has been around so long. People just trust what he's saying. It doesn't mean that he's an expert in everything, but it's like, well, we know it's going to be honest. We know it's not going to be carefully orchestrated fucking stories like you get from the news and most
0: other places. And that counts for a lot. Well, I know, you know, I'm not an OG uh, Joe guy here and I'm jumping in on this with you, but I've, I've really embraced it. I love it. It's like such a great space to find, I hate to use the word the middle, but the middle, you know, and just common fucking sense, dude. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. that. That's, to me, it, I've enjoyed so much diving into this and finding out, like he said, there's so many people, that silent majority is actually all these people in the middle that see things from many different angles. Um, you know, and he, even going back to something that Gads, uh, One had earlier he was saying like you know and this goes back to me kind of jumping on and doing some of this with you I said well well, let me look at what I'm doing or getting into here so I looked at and I love Joe said don't I never read comments I never read whatever well you read some of that stuff at least if you're trying to figure out what you're getting yourself into and it was amazing to me to look at the comments for your podcast here and realize that you know like most especially young idiots, they just read the headline or the title or whatever, and they don't actually listen or read the article or listen to the podcast or the show or whatever. You know, all these people commenting like they think that this is Joe's podcast specifically, and they're attacking him or, you know, putting the American flag up like he said and just, you know, cheering him as like some, you know, alt-right hero. And it's like, dude, none of these people even listen to this because not only is it not Joe's podcast, but that's not even how Joe is if you were reviewing it on his stuff. You know, and Gad was talking about how dude, a free society must have racists and idiots and truth questioners and everything else. Like let the autocorrective process decide and debate decide and we're so afraid of all of that now. You know, it's just it's mind boggling to me.
1: Yeah. Well that's true, and that's a good assessment. I mean, it is interesting for you. I mean, obviously over the years you've known about Joe, you've heard a podcast here and there, but to get into it now full on at your age with the understanding of things that you have especially in this time of like such massive change and and also now joe is so big his voice goes so much further so it's not even just with his audience he's in a lot of ways you know unintentionally responsible for everything that he says and people will pick up a some a little bit of something that he said and turn it into a a story you know, an article, yep. that they do try and definitely take out of context. And it it just plays against them, the fact that, like, his whole show is designed to be taken out of context. There's no way to put three hours in context. So it's, it almost works well for him that anything that they grab, any soundbite that they pick up, and they're like, he said this. It's like it was in a much longer conversation.
0: Well, and I'll give you an example just from this one that I wrote down that I thought was brilliant, and there's so many things that I hear Joe say that I'm like, "Yes, yes, that's exactly what I've either said or thought or whatever. You know, they talked about a bunch of interesting topics with this one with uh, you, uh, Hotep. they had They touched on you know the the uh, irony. Uh, the hypocrisy of my body my choice back and forth in the last year for things they talked about the january 6th stuff which i thought was great because joe was like and this is exactly what i've said and i liked what, i agreed with what hotep said too they were like joe said january 6th and all these people are like oh it's the worst thing or worse than world war Two, and his his kind of description was like yeah it was some idiots that showed up and wanted to take some instagram selfies and you know, do some dumb things and walk in there and whatever. And there were a few really bad apples mixed in. But for the most part, it was just a bunch of groupthink idiots that got carried away. And it wasn't World War Two, And to even put it there is so, in my opinion, so disrespectful. Yeah, it was a little bit of probably of a global embarrassment for security purposes on our country and things like that. But to make it out to be this horrid insurrection and everything else. And I'll tell you the reason I thought it was beautiful. When I watched that, I mean, there were so many of my certainly ultra liberal friends were like oh because of the people that were doing it but to me you know what's the old adage a government should always fear its people and that's what hotep was talking about certainly him being an anarchist this government here has stopped fearing its people for years probably since the 60s maybe the early 70s okay and to me whether you agreed with the platform or you agreed with what they were protesting or whatever. I didn't care about any of that. What I saw for the first time in a long time in decades is a government that, for whatever the reasons were, had a little bit of fear finally for its people. And that's what this country has needed for a long time because you get these cushy (laughs) politicians up there, untouchable, you know, racking up their bank accounts, and and doing whatever and disregarding the the average people and not even the average people disregarding pretty much everyone at this point and that's to me what what I thought was so great about watching January 6th unfold yeah
1: I agree and you know it, it is a weird thing to say that the government should fear the people because you know I don't know how people hear that when you say it you know whether they're thinking well you know we shouldn't be able to just uh, you know, attack the government and run in and raid and, you know, protests should be peaceful and all that I get. But it is an important factor because when a government can completely dominate their people, like basically what happens in China, for example, I mean, the people always lose on that. They lose their rights and their freedom, and it's it's a big problem. I mean, that's something that America has a lot of. I mean, even with the Second Amendment, I mean, this is like one of the few Western countries, if there are any, that there's probably more guns in the hands of the people than in the military and police and everyone put together. I what mean, the, obviously, the military have like planes and shit and giant boats and tanks. But, you know, it would be I mean, imagine trying to run through Texas with an army and take it over.
0: Well, I mean, that's everyone what they, and their mother has a gun there that's what they talked about in that podcast was look i love when people bring that up like or i think even biden brought it up you know what are your guns going to do what do you need guns the government has nukes and drones and tanks and what and robots it's like that's not the point dude that's not the point at all none of us think that we can if we wanted to put together a militia and overthrow the government if we if they have the power like that's not what it's about it's about the fact that you at least retain some of the the local rights and authorities to say, hey, you can't just come door to door. I think they were talking about Australia and the things that happened there. Yeah, that happened because people don't have guns. You don't. You have to worry about anything crazy happening, even on a micro level. Now, that being said, obviously, with what happened this week in Buffalo and whatever else, I mean, that was the. This is one of the first times that a lot of these things have happened, and you know, I I knew the. Uh, family the original uh, columbine family uh, they lived in my hometown before they moved to colorado so that goes way back for me hitting home with all these school shootings and these shootings just out in public now over the last 20 years but this buffalo one is the first one that really hit home hard for me i mean they've all hit home hard but this one was like and it's it's both ways we got to figure out a way to do something because if not we're not going to have the freedoms that we have because we're not— Yo, dumbass, you're going to ruin it for the rest of us by doing stupid-ass shit like this. And then we're going to really understand what it's like to lose some of our freedoms by not having the ability to protest, have guns, whatever you want to call it. There's many different avenues that that flows. But yeah, man, this thing in Buffalo is just— we got to find some way for these things to stop happening so we don't lose our Second Amendment rights for the right reasons of having them. You know, and that's yeah. also another slippery slope. Definitely another. That one was sick, dude. That
1: whole thing that happened. I mean, it was horrific. Yeah. I it mean, just breaks my heart to see
0: that. I mean, All this stuff is changing, mental changing illness. Changing but-
1: directions a little bit. Um, let's. Jump over to something they got into. Joe was talking about, well, they basically were talking about implants, right? Turning themselves yes, into robots or yep. all of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, so Joe talked about his friend. I'm pretty sure he was talking about Eddie Bravo, his jujitsu buddy, who has had a lot of neck surgery, spine surgery, fusion, all this. And they're like, yeah, if you could just put a, you know, a bionic spine in that fires better and then you're like much stronger it's just the idea that there would be this future where yeah you would see somebody they've got like some scars on their arms and you just know they're going to be faster you know jump higher who knows brain implants they're going to be smarter it's like everyone would be doing that
0: well I, I i saw a ironic parallel in this and i'm glad you brought this one up because it already happens and they and i think people don't realize it you know, I mean, as you know, I was a ball player and I played tennis as well and a few other sports, but baseball has always been one of my deepest loves. Uh, I've played it many, many years of my life. And the funny thing is, you know, there was the big thing like get growth hormone and, and steroids and everything out of baseball during the home run era and whatever else. Well, the other thing that was interesting about that time period was a lot of guys, look at Andy Pettit, for example, he talked about you know, he got busted for human growth hormone. Why did he do it? He said, you know, it's a rigorous, vigorous 162 game schedule. My body didn't heal like it used to in my 20s when I hit my 30s and I couldn't find the recovery. I didn't want to be better, faster, stronger. I just wanted to be able to recover. So he took HGH, he got in trouble for it, but he said my body finally healed and la-di-da-di-da. Okay. I understand not wanting to make that legal in any way because then you open the door for performance enhancing versions of it or whatever. But that funny part and the ironic part related to what they were talking about and this is the Tommy John surgery, which, if you're not familiar, is the UCL ligament in the arm. It gets worn out from throwing a baseball over time. Some guys wear out faster, some guys just snap. Um, well, the first guy to ever have that surgery done where they replaced that ligament so you could throw again was uh, Tommy John, a pitcher I think from the 70s, maybe it was even the early 80s. I can't remember exactly, I have to look it up. Uh, Maybe your guy there can look it up. But, um, you know, they found over time, and they got so good at that surgery, I think they would take uh, a ligament... From either somewhere else in your body, or maybe from a cow—I forget that. Maybe we could look that one up exactly how the surgery works. I'm certainly not a doctor, but put it in, and then they found as they got better at it that guys actually were better after the surgery than before. They could throw harder. They gained a couple miles per hour on their fastball. Some of the guys, not all the guys, some of them. Some of the guys never could pitch again. It just you know that's what happens with the surgery. But now you opened it up to. And I've heard of this happening. They've talked about it. Guys getting the surgery before they even need it. Okay? So here's baseball who doesn't want guys taking steroids or growth hormone for healing or anything else. But they've never taken any exception to guys getting a ligament replaced in their arm that now makes them throw faster, harder, whatever, or, or you know be able to pitch longer into a game or whatever. Having this bionic UCL, in essence, is what it is. And that's been going on right. now for years. It's the same thing that they were talking about. It's not that oh, one day this will happen, dude, it's been happening.
1: ah, I'm yeah, sure you I didn't mean, know that one. That, no, I didn't well, one thing I do know, and Joe has had um his like knee replacements and ACL surgeries and all these different things, and he had a cadaver ligament from an Achilles, I think, which is much stronger, thicker tendon put into his knee. So it's like 150% stronger, right? Now he had it done based on a surgery that was required. He had to fix it because it tore. But you could imagine athletes that have good knees and no problems. If the surgery was reliable enough to just go in and say, hey, I want stronger knees. I don't know about you. I'd take that today. If it was guaranteed that the surgery was You know, not going to cause any problems. Like, let's say they've just done it forever and they're like, oh, we can make your knees twice as strong. Guaranteed. Why would you not want to do that if you like working out and especially training jujitsu? All the time, I'm like, I worry about my knees in there. So many times, people have just blown their knees out. You know, ACL, the, the other one, what's the other one? MCL? ACL, MCL. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. I mean, just tore it to pieces. PCL, and it's an accident. Yeah. People don't do it on purpose. It just kind of twists funny, and you're moving quickly, and maybe it's a leg lock, knee lock, something, and it just goes. I mean, it, and then you're out for so long. I mean, it's just the worst thing to have happen.
0: But, well, yeah, if you can make that stronger in every way, do it. That, that, I mean, it. That, But that's the thing is, when do you start doing it? And that's what I talked about with the Tommy John you're doing it before there's a problem. Like, well, okay, if you get the surgery done and afterwards you a- happen to somehow, because usually what? After a surgery, after an injury, you're just a little less of yourself, right? You Talk about guys who lost their explosiveness with the torn ACL or a torn Achilles. They're just not quite, some guys don't come back at all, but some guys just lose a, a little step here or there. But to mm-hmm. say, like with Tommy John, where, hey, I'm just going to say, I'm going to do this when I'm 24 so that it's stronger and maybe i throw harder before anything even happens i mean now we've 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 reached that pinnacle now here we are into this bionic person you know and that's uh, yeah that was to me i'm glad you brought that one up and i'm gonna finish i know we're getting close to time here but i don't want to miss another very important topic um for all well all... But,
1: to, but to add to that though it's yep. not just about the future looks like you know you're going to be able to put that Neuralink in in your brain that elon musk made and, it's, and it potentially could make you smarter or make you know certain systems in your body work much better i mean when that starts to work well that's a no-brainer everyone's going to do it and the rich people are going to do it first and they're going to have such a massive advantage that who knows no one else is going to be able to keep up with them real fast a few generations of that you know, it's like the first thing you do with your child when it's born is just bionic it up. I mean, who the hell is going to be able to compete
0: with those people? Yeah, I mean, I, we kind of have that already, don't we? DMT, ayahuasca, what are the other ones? Maybe well, psilocybin. Uh, what were they talking maybe. about? Maybe. I don't
1: really know what the 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 overall advantages afterwards of that, maybe you're Feel slightly more enlightened, but I don't know if it's a massive net positive for your overall productivity throughout life.
0: Yeah, maybe not. Yep. Yeah. Maybe ask Connor. Ask Connor or Johnny. Right. Speaking yeah, of probably. Johnny. Speaking of Johnny, that's the last point we have to talk about. When they finished with the crazy hot matrix scale, I know they didn't call it that, but I know you and I have talked about it before. The old YouTube uh, video. Uh, mm-hmm. and they talked about Amber and Johnny and being smoking fucking hot and crazy, you know? Um, yeah. Which we've all talked about, and I'm sure everybody's talked about it in one way or another, but this is one thing that I, you know, yeah, for the most part, the crazy chicks uh, are usually super hot in bed and, you know, kind of works in that symbiotic relationship. However, I think it works in reverse too, bro. Have you noticed that? What do you mean? Um... Like, you could take a chick who's kind of normal, and if you start fucking her all crazy and dirty and turn her crazy in bed, then she just gets crazier in the real world, too.
1: Huh.
0: Have you noticed that, or no? So, Maybe it's, you,
1: it's ultimately our fault.
0: Always. I mean, you know that if you've ever had a girlfriend. <laughs>
1: I, there's definitely something to that, yeah. Dude, I'm telling. I it mean, hit
0: me when they were talking about. It. I was like, I've never thought it in of it in reverse. Like, I've seen. I mean, it happens. Like, if you really take a girl to another place sexually, doesn't she just seem a bit fucking nuttier after that? Like, <laughs> and, and Maybe like that's just bit,
1: because she'd been hanging out with you longer
0: and bitchier and like more demanding like okay now i'm ready now i'm now i'm fucking nuts
1: what's the solution there just boring sex too wild with
0: (laughs) boring sex missionary and (laughs) or die literally
1: yeah go back to like protestant thinking
0: Uh, uh uh-huh the hijab i think i think they talked about bring back the hijab that's how that whole conversation started hotep was like bring back the hijab or joe did somebody was like that's how we keep society running normally again because it's always about that great you remember they did that's how it came up Mm -hmm. yep bring back the hijab yeah that'll go over well well that was a good week of
1: really good conversations i liked that one a lot we miss christina i mean it's I'm a big fan of hers anyway, the wife of Tom Segura. But, you know, often with the comedians, because they come on quite often, uh, I think sometimes it's just better to cover and get into uh, the other episodes. But anyway, as always, thanks, everyone, for listening, tuning in, putting on with us. And uh, thanks for joining me, Jay. You bet, buddy. All right. Later, guys.